When you girls make your first record, I want one. I'm glad to be with you this morning. I wish it was under better circumstances. But I want to encourage you to, uh, to pray for and to encourage uh, Brother Richard and his wife, if you would. Uh, I lost my dad back in 1993 and my mother a little over 10 years ago. Many of you know what that's like, and so if you would, encourage them today. You don't have to tell them you know exactly how they feel, because that's a lie. You don't. But you can tell them that I love you, and, and, and you can be there for them. I want you to take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 16. Now, there's nothing extraordinary about me, Okay. I'm not a celebrity preacher. You know, we have a lot of celebrity preachers here today. Although, I took my kids, my grandkids to Disney on Ice about four years ago. And when we got there, I was cutting her up with the kids that are around me. And I said, who's your favorite Disney character? And one of them said, oh, my favorite Disney character is Anna. And another one said, Elsa. And I'm getting... Whatever happened to Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck? But, and they went through all of this, and one little boy I noticed in the back, his eyes were getting big. And he looked at me and said, you're a Disney character. I said, really? Yeah, you're that old man from Up. <laughs> so that's the closest I get to be a Disney character, okay? I wanted to share a few minutes with you about a rich man and a poor man. Now, unfortunately, there's a philosophy in our land today that if you're rich and if you're healthy, God loves you. And if you're poor and you're not, God hates you. That is just not right, as we're going to see here in a few minutes. But before we get into our message, would you stand as we read verses 19 through verse 22? There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Father, I pray that you would help us to see today the great need of coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Father, I realize in this congregation maybe everyone's saved. And if that's so, I rejoice. But may we take heed from the message even here to live our lives for you. Father, you're not through with us until we go to glory. So help us to take this time seeking your will, following you in it. And we'll thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. In this passage, we find two men. Now, these men were as different as night and day. 
One of them, by the name of Lazarus, was a beggar. Now today, we often see people who are constantly asking us for money. The other day, I went by McDonald's early in the morning, and I got me some coffee, and I hate to admit it, and a biscuit. And uh, as I was driving out, a young man got right in front of my car. He was about that far from the front of my car and said, you're going to give me some money and you're going to give it to me right now. And I thought, well, I'll give you a car right over you. But he finally came around and I'd paid with my, for my biscuit with a card instead of money. And I think I had $2 in, my, in, in the car and I gave it to him and he walked off free. We're seeing people like that all around us today. And many of these people that, that want your money, they're healthy. They just don't want to work. And we have government programs today to help those that are needy. We have Medicaid that helps needy folks. And I'm grateful that we do have that. We have food stamps for people who need food. We have Section 8 housing for people who can't afford a place to live. We have SSI to take care of those folks. But think about poor Lazarus here. He didn't have any of that. Those government programs did not exist when Lazarus got sick and he couldn't work. He had sores all over his body. It reminds you of what happened to to Job. You remember that Job got sick? And he took a, a pot shear and just scraped his body from the swords that were on him from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. This man, Lazarus, he was sick. He couldn't work. He had to have somebody come by and get him and take him and lay him at the gate of the rich man, hoping that the rich man would take pity on him and hoping that the rich man would give him something to eat. But the Bible tells us that evidently the rich man didn't. Because here was poor Lazarus. He desired just what the crumbs from the rich man's table would fall. That's all he wanted. He reminds us of a dog. Have you, now, have you, do you have a dog that while you're eating sits at your table and gives you the, the, the saddest look? And maybe... Gets up and begs. And you may throw him a little bit what you're eating, right? That's all that Lazarus wanted. He just wanted the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. And the only comfort that Lazarus got in life, do you know the only comfort he got in life was when the stray dogs came by while he was laying there as a beggar and they licked his sores. What a pathetic man. Now the other man in the story is the rich man. The Bible says he was clothed in purple, which denoted royalty. Now I'm kind of grateful that we don't have royalty in the United States, aren't you? 
But in biblical times, they had kings and princes and princesses, and and they were the royal family, and everybody looked up to them. They wore their purple garments. They wore the finest of clothes as they went to town. And the Bible says he fared sumptuously every day. He had the best food that was available. This man would never go through the McDonald's drive-thru window. No. No doubt. He had the beefsteak whenever he wanted it. Roast beef whenever he wanted it. Probably he threw the the meatloaf out because it wasn't good enough for him. He fared sumptuously every day. And he had all that money could afford. He had a fine mansion, servants, and when people saw him, they all envied him. He's rich. He's wealthy. He, he, he's a prince. He's of the royal family. And no doubt if we looked at these two men and I were to take a poll today, I would say this. Which one of these two would you rather be? Most folks would probably say, I would rather be the rich man. Come on, let's be honest. Can we do that? Wake up, all right? But these two men also had one thing in common. They both died. Most likely, Lazarus died from starvation or maybe malnutrition or or disease. And no doubt, few mourn for, for Lazarus. He may have been buried, but his body may have simply been dumped outside the city in the garbage dump with no funeral and no mourners. The Bible says about the rich man that he was died and buried, but being a rich man, he probably had a well-attended funeral. Many of the people that were there mourned over the rich man, no doubt. And he was laid to rest with all of the pomp and with all of the social attributes that went along with that. But they both died. Now, this points out an unwelcome truth, folks. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. All of us are going to have an appointment with death if Jesus doesn't come. I'm really praying I get raptured. But if that doesn't happen, the Bible says we're all going to die. Now, we don't know when death will come. I kind of wish we did, don't you? But we don't know when it's going to come. I was out at the cemetery early this morning. I got here very, very early. So I drove out to the Ferguson Cemetery because there's an historical fellow buried out there by the name of Moses Rose. Moses Rose went over the wall at the Alamo the night before it fell to the Mexican army. He made his way eventually to Nacogdoches, excuse me, And there, people would come by and say, Mr. Rose, why did you forsake the Alamo? Why did you go over the wall? And this is what he would tell them. I didn't want to die. But I visited his grave this morning. He did die. It's appointed to all of us. One day, we're going to walk through the portal of death. We don't know how God's going to take us out of this life. We don't know when God's going to take us out of this life. And we really don't need to worry about it. We just need to live. That's what we need to do. 
But notice what happens when death does come. The believer, if you're a believer in Jesus, when death comes, you're ushered into heaven. Abraham's bosom is where, and paradise are two words in the New Testament that are used to describe heaven. The Bible says that when Lazarus opened his, uh, closed his eyes in death, that the angels came and they carried him to heaven. Paul puts it this way, that to be absent from the body, and that's what takes place in death, is to be with the Lord. One day, I'm going to close my eyes in death if Jesus doesn't come. And when I open them up again, I'm going to see Jesus. I know we're all afraid of death. It's like Will Rogers says, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there. And what Lazarus found when he went to heaven, he found it was a place of comfort. In verse 25, Jesus told the rich man, Lazarus is now comforted and you're tormented. Lazarus is with me. He is in a place of comfort. Folks, listen. The life that you and I live on this earth is full of heartache. Those of you that are gray-headed like me, and I didn't use a bottle, it's just natural. We know that life is full of tragedy, it's full of sorrow, it's full of heartache. Yes, there's, there's wonders in life. Yes, there's pleasures in life. But folks, life can be tough too. Losing those that we love to death can cause us to grieve just like this family is. My wife and I lost our first child in the ninth month of pregnancy. We cried all night long. And when we had Jeremy, bless his heart, I went in one afternoon and she was in the middle of the bed with him just a ball. And I said, what's the problem? He's great. He's wonderful. He's loud, but he's great and he's wonderful. She said, I was thinking about the first one. You see, folks, life is full of heartache. It's full of sorrow over the people we lose in life. We've, most of us that are here, we may have lost our parents. You may have lost children. You may have lost people you love. I, I know that my old pastor, I've lost him, and I, and I would really love to speak to him at times, from time to time. But listen, life is tough. Not only that, realizing that we may never achieve our life's dream can be tough. Now, you know what I wanted to be when I was growing up? Huh? Tell me, okay. I wanted to be a professional baseball player. When I was 16 years old, I could throw an 85-mile-an-hour fastball. Didn't have much control, but I could throw it that fast. And if I got somebody that was up at the bat, I would throw the first pitch at his head, and then three curveballs, doom, 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 scare him to death. That was my life's goal. And then one night I was out there throwing and they taught me how to throw a screwball. Now, if you ever know that pitched, you know you have to come over like this to throw that ball. Well, I threw it and my elbow popped. After surgery, the doctor said, you can't throw a ball for a year. Well, 
God called me to preach later on. But every time I would go to the ballpark or watch TV and watch Nolan Ryan, I said, that I could have been like that. Come on. Some of us had dreams that are never going to take place. Think about your childhood dream. Maybe your childhood dream was to be president of the United States. Boy, I wish that had come true. (laughs) Broken relationships in this life can be heartbreaking. I don't know how many women I've talked to that her husband ran off on her. She's broken hearted. I don't know how many parents I've talked to that their child, they did everything right and their children didn't turn out like they wanted them to. And then, how about dealing with old age? Folks, I am never going to make the mistake of getting old again. Old age isn't fun, is it? Hmm? But let me share something with you. Here's the good part. When we get to heaven, the Bible says Jesus is going to wipe away all the tears, all the hurt, all the sorrow. I have always looked at that as a picture of what mama, mom, my mama used to do when we were kids. We would come home from school and maybe we got bullied at school or, or maybe we didn't do good on our test grades or maybe we didn't do good on the ball field or whatever it was. And whatever it was, we'd crawl up in her lap and we'd tell her all about our hurts and we may cry a little bit and she'd rock us. That's the picture I get of Jesus. We're going to leave this life one day to crawl up in the arms of Jesus and he's going to wipe away all the tears and all the hurt and all the sorrow. For you see, folks, when we live this life, we're going home. This world's not our home. The Bible says we're just passing through. And how wonderful it'll be For those who have faithfully served God, who will be able to open their eyes after death and be welcomed home by the one who died for their sins. Now in this life, let's be honest, we may not ever be recognized for what we've done. Brother Richard, you and I will never make the pages of of some great Christian book probably. They're never going to talk about us in the same way that they talk about Spurgeon or that they talk about Crystal. They're never going to talk about you and me that way. But you know what? Small church pastors are just as essential as the big mega church pastor. Hmm? And so God one day is going to say, welcome home, Hansi. Glad to have you here. And when we go to hear Jesus say, well done, our good and faithful servant, and make all this what we've done worthwhile. People may have looked down on Lazarus all of his life. He was just a beggar. You know who didn't look down on him? God. 
See, Lazarus couldn't afford for the physical needs that he needed in life. But you know what? Jesus had provided for his eternal needs. And Lazarus gladly accepted those eternal needs. And as a result of that, he accepted that free gift of salvation. And when he was called out of this life, he left all this heartache behind him and went home to be with Jesus. Now, death will not be such a pleasant experience for the one who doesn't know Jesus. The Bible says that the rich man was buried and he died. But Luke chapter 23, 16 verse 23 tells us that his afterlife wasn't anything but one of torment. Now, we live in an enlightened age. We live in an age of science, and we live in an age of, of, of where many people, when you began to talk about what's in the Bible, they say, oh, that's just fantasy or whatever. But I'm here to tell you this, and, I, and I'm here to tell it because I believe the Bible teaches it, and it's true. Hell is real. It's a real place, a real destination. It's a place of physical torment. This rich man was in such torment physically that he said, Lord, just send Lazarus back to me. Let him dip his finger in water and put it on my tongue. And that's enough. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but when I mow in the summertime in Louisiana, I don't want somebody's finger just putting his finger in the water and putting it on my tongue. I want to go in and drink the whole pitcher of iced tea, don't you? Come on, stay with me. I'm almost through. He was in such torment, that's all he wanted was just the finger. Hell's a place, though, I think of mental torment. The Bible says it's a place of isolation and darkness. I took a group of kids when I was over here in Huxley to camp one year. We had a a kid that was just out of control. And and finally I said, son, why'd you come here? This is church camp. Why did you come to church camp? He said, I came here to meet a girl. Oh, that's a good place to meet a girl, I guess. And then he looked at me and he said, I don't care if I go to hell or not. When I get there, I'm going to have a party. You'll have a party of one. Because you'll be in outer darkness. Have you ever been to Carlsbad Caverns, anybody? They turn off the lights and it is so dark you can't see your hand in front of your face. Now, I knew there were all people all around me, but I couldn't see them. How are you going to have a party when you can't see them? Not only that, how many of you are afraid of the dark? Thank you. We've got one honest man in the whole church. <laughs> I'm not a real darkness fan. I like a nightlight on in my room, don't you? Hmm? There's something about that that's fearful. The witch man was also told to remember. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? You know, if a person goes to hell, they'll remember the opportunities that God gave them to be saved. I really believe if someone goes to hell in this room this morning, this message will be played back for you so you could see you had the opportunity to be saved. Now, 
Maybe the greatest torment of all will be knowing, though, that hell is forever. There's no opportunity to be saved once you leave this life. I know that the Bible says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess him to the glory of the Father. But if you have rejected Jesus in this life, your chance to be saved is over. It's kind of like what happened to a good friend of mine. He had six boys. Can you imagine having six boys? That, That would almost be like going to the infernal region, wouldn't it? He had six boys, and and one night, his oldest boy was watching TV. And so Marvin came in and said, son, it's time for bed. Okay, Dad. He kept watching. That sounds like my kid. Then he came back a little later and said, son, I told you it's time for bed. Oh, just a little bit longer, Dad. That's all. No, it's time to go to bed. Well, he he kept sitting there. The third time, the same thing happened. And the fourth time, Marvin told him, If you don't get up right now and go to bed, I'm going to wear your bottom out with my belt. Now, back in that day, you could do that. Well, the little boy sat there. So Marvin said, okay. He started taking off his belt. The boy saw that daddy meant business now. So the boy got up and he ran to his bedroom and he jumped into bed with his daddy behind him. And as he jumped into bed, he looked up at his daddy and said, daddy, let's pray. You know what Marvin told him? Son, it's too late to pray. There are many that go through life. I'll get saved later. I'll get saved later. I'll get saved later. And then finally, when they die, they say, Lord, I'm ready now. I'm ready now. And God has to say, son, it's too late. It's too late. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Now, at first glance, we might say that the rich man had a better life than Lazarus. I mean, he fared sumptuously every day. No problems. Lazarus a beggar. But both of them died. And death makes us realize that eternity is the equalizer. That's why we need to remember what Jesus said. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. I'm going to the cross to prepare a place for you. My death on the cross will mean that you can be in heaven. Jesus wants you in heaven. But folks, the way to heaven is not through a church. The way to heaven is not through an ordinance. The way to heaven is through a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. I grew up hearing this all my life. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And I'm going to tell you, that used to irritate the fool out of me. How many of you have ever heard that and it just made you angry? Let me share this with you. It's true. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And that person who you know is Jesus. If you've never given your life to him, I encourage you to do so right now. Father, we thank you today for your goodness and your grace. Lord, I'm grateful we can't buy our way into heaven. Father, I'm, I'm grateful that our family names is not what gets us into heaven. Father, I'm grateful it's your grace. 
And Lord, there are a lot of folks here today that we're not far from heaven. And I pray that you'd encourage us to finish our lives out in victory and look forward to what you have for us. But there may be somebody that doesn't know you. And I pray that right now that you do a work of grace to bring them to know you as Savior. For it's in Jesus' name. Now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, and you very quietly, very reverently stand. Go ahead and stand, if you would, please. Brother Richard, it's yours. We got the altars open down front. Dr. Mike will be down there. I'm down there. If the Lord has spoke to you this morning, maybe you are the here this morning and Holy Spirit says you've never surrendered. This is the moment for that. We're not promised the next moment. Maybe you just want to come to these altars and pray to the Lord this morning. They're open for that time. Let's just spend some time.